Welcome to the Functional Breeding Podcast. I'm Jessica Heckman, and I'm here interviewing folks about how to breed dogs for function and for health, behavioral and physical. This podcast is brought to you by the Functional Dog Collaborative, an organization founded to support the ethical breeding of healthy, behaviorally sound dogs. The FDC's goals include providing educational, social, and technical resources to breeders of both purebred and mixed breed dogs. You can find out more at functionalbreeding.org or at the Functional Breeding Facebook group, which we work hard to keep friendly and inclusive. I hope you have fun and learn something. Hey friends, this week we have G. Kalsa back on the podcast to talk about her highly regarded breeder educational resource, Midwifery. G has a solid science background herself and has built a science-based curriculum, and we'll talk about exactly what we mean by that. G and I also talk about how midwifery came to be, how it works, what courses she has, and what to expect from a course. And finally, we explore how midwifery fits in to the Functional Dog Collaborative Breeder Curriculum. So here's G. So today on the podcast, we have G Kalsa as a returning guest. Thank you so much for coming back, G. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk to you again today. Yeah. So we were going to talk more about midwifery this time. So previously, for those who haven't heard this episode, I had G and Alicia Hobson on to talk about a specific class that is offered through midwifery and specifically the content of that class, which was dog coat color and coat type genetics, uh, which is a pretty Mm -hmm. cool topic. So they talked about that, but we mentioned at the end how it was available through midwifery. And so... Midwifery is a pretty cool curriculum for breeders, so I figured it would be useful for G and myself to dig into that a bit more, and then we have an announcement which we'll make towards the end of the episode. So maybe to start us out, G, why don't you tell us where midwifery came from? Why did you decide to start it? So I didn't really decide to start midwifery. It was kind of organic and unintentional, um, and it came about because I was on Facebook a lot in some Facebook breeder support groups. And I found that there was a a big lack of knowledge about um, science-based reality, I guess, or I don't know if reality is the right word, but science-based information um, in the breeder world. And I started to just try to fill that gap in, you know, in discussions. And I found myself with a lot of things repeating myself over and over, you know, just the same information, giving it out, trying to get good information out there, what I thought was sound scientifically based information. Um, And I, you know, I was repeating a lot of the same things. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to just start a blog and then I can put this information in the blog. I can go a little bit deeper than I can in a Facebook post and have the information there and make sure that there are references and you know, discussion and, and things like that. Um, so I started a blog and I started putting in things that I was uh, talking about very often with people, with breeders online. And I did that for a while and it was useful because I could just share a, a blog post link instead of having to repeat the information um, and potentially forget something if I was in a hurry, you know, and it was in depth. And then after a while I realized, well, you know, I could go a lot more in depth than this. So I um, started off with a few courses um, so that I could go a little bit more in depth and really get some good information to breeders. And that's how it came about. Cool. I was, I was thinking as you were saying, as you were talking about what's the right term for not science-based reality, but something else I was thinking that in veterinary medicine, um, in terms of medicine, we call it evidence-based medicine with the idea of 
understanding what evidence is. So maybe we could call it evidence-based breeding. I, I actually really like that. Thank you for, for adding those words. I don't want to insult anybody by saying that they are not grounded in reality, because that was certainly not my intent. Yes. Uh, but there's a certain way of thinking about evidence. Well, so maybe that would be a good thing for us to talk about next is um, when you think about uh, what you're going to put into a course and, you know, what what sort of evidence or other people might say science, um, what kinds of sources do you use or, or or what's your background? So so what do you mean when you talk about making something based in science or based in evidence? That's an awesome question. And I actually have a course that answers that, but I'm going to answer it here as well, um, briefly. And that is that you start off at the highest level of evidence looking for what you can, if you can. And that is um, considered to be in the scientific community, um, any kind of meta study. So that is basically a study of the studies on a particular type of information. So that's considered the highest quality level of information. And there are levels that go down through different types of studies. And then below that is into um, case studies, which is documented anecdotal information. Um, and then you have below that professional information and opinions, and then just, you know, all kinds of stuff that you can find anywhere. Well, and I would say after, after professional, so it's, it's useful for us to add in. So it's exactly what you're talking about is exactly what I was taught in vet school. So this is, mm-hmm. I was, I was pleased when you started saying it, I was like, Oh, great. That's, that's exactly how I was taught too. Um, and so in, in veterinary school, we stopped at the bottom of being basically doctors or veterinarians opinion. And I would say that in the case of breeders, um, that would be breeders' opinion. And when you say that that's the lowest level, that's not to say that it's worthless, right? I mean, we don't want to Correct. say that breeders don't have useful information about breeding because they do. The, the experience, that, Right, exactly. So the experience that they have is actually very useful, but it is hard. The human brain likes to see patterns and to make assumptions and this is why it's very useful to have these sort of higher categories of evidence where someone has right. carefully structured a study or even, as you said, a meta-study where they sort of look at a bunch of studies. Um, that is more useful than individual experience, not to right. say that individual experience is not useful at all. Right. And, I, I you know, I would say that there's um, a blurred line between uh, veterinarian opinion and experienced breeder opinion because mm, there sure. are there are cases where there are veterinarians that just have no reproductive experience and there are breeders that have massive amounts of reproductive experience and um, you know their opinions probably are are more sounded in some instances than some veterinarians. Yes. So that and that's not to denigrate anybody's knowledge or skill level. It's just the the level of evidence we're looking at. I totally agree with that. Um, and, and I know it wasn't clear when I said it, but when I was saying it, I wasn't thinking that breeder went underneath veterinarian. I was thinking it's sort of right. Right next to veterinarian. Um, I right. will say that I, so I graduated from Tufts Cummings School of Veterinary, Veterinary Medicine in 2012. And um, we had two hours of um, instruction on breeding of small animals. Mm-hmm. And that was taught to us by a critical care veterinarian. So he was not a specialist in breeding who was himself a breeder. So we were essentially taught by a breeder. Uh, we were not taught by a theriogenologist, which would be a veterinarian with a boarded specialty in mm-hmm. breeding. So that's it's, interesting. Yeah, yeah, right. So I don't know if that's different now. It's been 10 years. 
Um, but it is, it was absolutely true then. And I, and it is still, I know commonly true for many veterinarians that you see in general practice that they just don't have a lot of instruction about breeding. They don't expect in many parts of the country. So Tufts is in New England, in Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. And in this part of the country, we sort of have this perception of, you know, you get dogs from shelters, obviously, and, um, we don't really expect to be talking to people about breeding. And that's, you know, it's, it's too bad. Um, but that is the, the way that it is for a lot of veterinarians. Absolutely. And I, I just moved to a state where there is not a single board certified reproductive veterinarian. So it's mm, been an interesting yeah. experience for me. And I'm just so grateful for everything I've learned from my board certified veterinarian. Yes. Um, another thing I want to mention about studies is that um, just having a lack of a study doesn't mean that something that information doesn't exist or that that. Uh, information we have isn't valid. It's just that we have less funding for studies about dogs and dog uh, um, reproduction than they do, for example, with cattle, because cattle's a much bigger business. So there are a lot more studies in other species than there are in dogs often, um, or totally no studies in dogs. So we have to look to other species, which is okay, but not ideal, because, you know, dogs aren't cows, dogs aren't humans, etc. All right, great. So then what kinds of content do you have in midwifery? What kinds of courses do you cover? I cover, let's see, I have a couple of basics courses, which are um, for for breeders who are just starting out. And one is on um, whelping and the other is on litter care. And it's not litter care in terms of how to socialize and um, how to provide excellent enrichment, both passive and active but actual care for the litter. Cause a lot of new breeders don't know what's normal for a puppy at what age. So I just go over um, things like that, you know, what to expect, what type of behavior to expect and also care of the dam as well, because um, there's not enough information I think out there on uh, caring for our dams. And so in all of my courses, if it's applicable, I do mention the dams a lot because they, they really do a lot for us. And I think we need to, um, consider them as much as possible and do what's in their best interest and comfort as much as possible. Yeah, for sure. That's a that's something I've had trouble sort of seeing where to put into some of the statements that the FTC makes, but it's something I've always felt really strongly about is that we should mm-hmm. not just be worrying about the puppies, but the, the moms. Absolutely. And, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And you'll be. see that through all the courses. Yeah. And then other courses, they, they, um, go up in complexity depending on what you're looking for you know we have the color course that we talked about in another um another podcast um i have a breeder nutrition course i I have a puppy parasites course canine fertility and timing which includes some extras uh, on using a microscope and how to do fecals and um, just because you have the microscope section um, and sperm analysis um development for breeders that was actually my favorite course to put together because I, I studied some of that in graduate school. And it, it was it's really fascinating to me how these little things develop in two months. I mean, they develop basically the same types it's of organs that crazy. we have that we develop in nine months, in two months. Yeah. 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 Can I give a little tidbit that I find found really interesting yeah. about canine development? Yeah. Okay. So, for example, one of the ways that Mother Nature um, accommodates for the shorter time frame is that um, the gut organs at, in the beginning actually start to develop in the umbilical cord in dogs. Oh. Uh, and, then, and then as the room, as the, the actual puppy 
body develops and there's room in the intestinal cavity um, for um, for the organs, they go back inside. And that also is why dogs have a little bit of a higher risk than many other species for um, defects at that point. I did not know that. That's fascinating. So that's why mm -hmm. we would see when I was doing shelter medicine, we saw so many puppies with umbilical hernias. Right, right. Because that has to, that um, has less time to close up and it has, it's a bigger hole than, than in other species. That is really interesting. Mm -hmm. And oh. then there's um, a, a nursing and weaning course and then cleaning, disinfecting and biosecurity. Um, a lot of breeders make great efforts towards being clean, um, but they don't understand some really important points that are necessary for truly having the best possible um, cleaning and disinfecting, or even the difference between cleaning and disinfecting. It's not a very sexy course, but it's really important. It's so, well, it's, it's, you're making me laugh because so when I was, I did this shelter medicine veterinary internship and um, we each had our specialties, which were assigned to us. And my mm -hmm. specialty that was assigned to me was cleaning and disinfection, which is disinfecting, <laughs> which you can imagine in shelters is super important. Absolutely. And, Yes. And so I still remember a lot of these details about, you know, well, particularly like what will kill parvovirus, right. not everything that people think will kill parvovirus actually kills right. parvovirus. And um, so I and I, you know, when I got that assignment, I was like, really? <laughs> but, um, I kind of learned to love it, though, because it's really important. It's pretty it straightforward. Um, yes. Yeah. And it's yes. So I'm, and, I'm glad and there's a lot of science. That. A lot of science there. And, and some other yes. things are, even if you use something that's you know, a parvicide that's known to kill parvo, if you don't use it correctly, it's not going to work. Yep. So you need to know yep. the correct way to use it. And there are also some dangers, you know, and too much of a good thing is not a good thing anymore, like over, um, yep. over concentrating bleach yep. and, or using bleach with other products. <clears throat> Excuse me. So there's, there, there's a lot to unpack there for sure. And then the last course is the, um, the course on uh, understanding science for breeders that goes over what we started our conversation on, which were levels of evidence and some other things like that, uh, and how to interpret uh, information online. And that's that's only a few dollars. And if you buy any of the bundles, I throw it in for free because I really want people to um, to have access to that information. Yeah, I that sounds exactly like the kind of thing that um, I love teaching stuff like that. And it's again, it's not sexy. Um, no. <laughs> and it's hard to find a good way to to tell people that, yes, this is really worth your time. It's the kind of thing that people naturally feel. We all naturally feel like we know how to assess information that's mm -hmm. coming into us. That's part of mm -hmm. being a human. Our brains have been doing that our whole lives. And we all feel that we're good at it. But that kind of sort of taking a step outside of what your natural sort of human feelings are about how to assess information and looking at all the work that's been done since the scientific right. revolution in how right. to, you know, learn things and figure out what ground truth is, or at least get closer to ground truth, since I don't think we ever really get ground truth. Um, mm -hmm. Very valuable. Yes, and, and important, but again, not sexy. But, not sexy, you know, but a good, way, a good way to annoy other people when you're at parties. <laughs> so <laughs> I there's love that. that. I love that. I'm going to have to appropriate that. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, so you basically, you. yeah, so you basically take people from, um, you take people, so it's, do you have anything about mate selection? You start after mate selection, right? You start basically at, I have a planned breeding. That's sort of where your curriculum starts right now. Correct. Cause mate selection yeah. is, 
it's a very broad topic and it ver- it varies by breed um and and it's just a bit much for me to cover that's totally fair so starting with you have a planned breeding going through how to make it happen how to mm-hmm. take care of the dam um going through whelping big topic yes and then yes. managing the puppies um and nursing and nursing yeah and weaning okay um yeah and also before that step, before whelping uh, the the um, embryology. So, mm. you know, I, I think it's fascinating to know everything that's going on inside my dam at any given point. And I put together a timeline that um, I took I took a lot of time doing this because there wasn't a good timeline anywhere that I could find. So I put together one for breeders so you can know exactly what's happening when. So good pictures, um, good pictures in that one? Yes. Yes, good. absolutely. I bet. Um, and then we go to... Um, cleaning and disinfecting and uh, nutrition as well for dams and studs and puppies. Um, And that's obviously controversial. It always will be. Um, There's a, there's a kind of a a meme online about something like uh, if you get lost in the woods, just start talking about dog food and someone will find you and yell at you. (laughs) Um, So so we have that. Um, I think that covers everything that we've got right now. And I do have some more businessy type courses. Like I've got one on how to um, ethically um, price your puppies and create value. Because if we don't create value in our puppies, then it's harder to find the best homes for them. So we want people to value our puppies. So we have to create that. Um, and not, not artificially, but just by showing people what they really are worth. And then uh, charging accordingly. And, and as a and as a side, by the way, let me say because I know some people will not know exactly what you mean by that. That G is not advocating mm-hmm. charging five to ten thousand dollars for a puppy. No, I'm I'm advocating no, not at all. But yeah, I I want puppies to be as valued as possible. Yes. So so we have to work on that. Um, yes. You know, not everybody knows that they're as, as perfect as they are. So we have to mm. work on that and, and show people that. And we also need to know where we are in the marketplace if we want to place them well, especially in a market like this where, you know, right now as we're talking, um, the market's a little funky uh, and there are some breeders that are having trouble placing puppies. And so, you know, knowing what the value of your puppies um, are will help place the puppies appropriately. It's funny how the market has been a complete about face since I began this podcast. It was mm-hmm. very different when I began this podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So then what does a course look like? What If someone goes and takes a course, what are they getting? What are they? What can they expect? So courses are video-based. Um, and you can, for most of them, there are some like the embryology one where you're going to want to watch the videos. But a lot of them you can more or less listen to like a podcast, mm. um, even though it's video-based. Um, a, a number of them do have closed captions and transcriptions. They don't all, I'm going back and, and fixing the ones that don't. But if anybody um, wants one that does need um, closed captions and it doesn't have it yet, you're welcome to email me and I will put that on the top of my priority list for getting that done. And then they have um, handouts and worksheets if appropriate. Um, and then some of the worksheets are things where you can enter a value and then get some information uh, back. You don't have to do a lot of the math yourself. So, for example, um, in the um, canine fertility one, I've got a, a sheet where you just put in the date of ovulation and then all other dates populate for you. That is useful mm-hmm. because that is hard. 
Yes. Uh, <laughs> and and also important, uh, maybe you want to just a quick quick note why someone white might want to know exactly what day the puppies are due. Sure. Well, it, first and foremost, it's a safety issue because you want to be able to be there um, for a whelping. You don't want to have a dog whelp, especially a maiden or, or a breed where um, there are they whelp a little bit harder. And you want to be able to be there for safety reasons. Um, also, you want to know if the dog is overdue for safety reasons so that you can have a C-section if, if the dog is truly overdue. Um, and then also for your own peace of mind, um, you know, you, you want to know what's going on and, and yeah. um, when those puppies are coming. Because it's it, to me, I've been doing this for something like 30 years and it, I still feel like a kid on Christmas morning when I have a litter coming. <laughs> a kid who's I about do. to be totally exhausted. <laughs> but it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm so intimidated by the uh the amount of work that a litter of puppies. I keep keep thinking, you know, if I'm going to be doing all this and getting involved in breeding, I should breed myself and then I'm just like I need way too much sleep honestly to do well, it. I go through in the, in the whelping course, I there's an actual whelping we go through an entire whelping together. So you can you can live vicariously through that if you'd like. Oh, I want the puppies, but I, I imagine there's puppies <laughs> spreading out there. So, but yeah, yeah, cool. At actually having an entire videoed whelping sounds like it would take a lot of the anxiety off of someone doing it for their first time. Yeah, so. I, I've had, um, I've been just overwhelmed and heartwarmed by the feedback I've gotten. I, I put this out there, and and um, I used to be a very private person. I've gotten over that, but um, you know, it's really hard to put yourself out there, and I've gotten some just really lovely support from breeders. You know, even experienced breeders have taken the basics courses and said that they've learned a lot. Um, and so that, that made it just very much worth my while. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Well, that, so that sort of raises the question of what, what level of breeder is this appropriate for? Everybody. Yeah. Yeah. If you're, if you're breeding, um, it's appropriate. I even, you know, I, I'll go back to my courses for certain details um, a lot of the time, just because I don't remember everything that that's in the courses. Uh, you know, it's, yeah. it's a good resource for me to have for myself. Yeah. And that's, that's what I do a lot when I put together courses is I think, okay, what I, what do I want to learn about now? Maybe there's something that really interests me and I want to learn in more detail about it because it's a great way to learn or what would I have wanted to know 20, 30 years ago? Yeah. Nice. So, so what it looks like is it sort of podcasty, but there's some video, and I believe it's mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> you have a specific platform that you use, Thinkific, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, which breaks things up, I believe, into little chunks so that it's pretty easy to to do just a little bit at a time and save your spot. Yes, yes, I I, I break the courses up into little chunks, and I, I also want to mention that. Um, I, I taught at the college level, I taught science and, um, I love science, but I was never a science savant. I had to work my tail off to understand mm -hmm. this stuff. So I, I understand kind of where people come from in terms of what can trip you up on learning. And, uh, I try to make things, um, very accessible to anybody of any level. Um, but at the same time, not talk down to people who have, a, a, you know, a great deal of knowledge. So I, I try to balance that out, but I haven't had any issue with people um, with um, non-science background or even, you know, not a high level of formal education being able to um, assimilate the course as well. Perfect. That is important. 
And are there are there any kinds of communities associated with the courses? Yes, I have a Facebook group. Um, it's called Midwifery. It's pretty easy to find, and it's a. I like it to be a very safe place for breeders. We don't tolerate any any type of um, sniping or talking down to people. We want people to be able to ask questions that they may consider basic or somebody else may consider basic, but it's really important to the person asking. So we respect that. And I also allow um, anonymous questions if somebody is uncomfortable asking something under their um, their Facebook name. And okay, for purebred breeders, mixed breed breeders? Everybody. I don't differentiate, you know, it's a safe place. And if if you dislike somebody, this is not the group to dislike them in. Yes. Um, but it is the group to, to learn about what other people are doing and what they think and feel and believe um, to maybe learn more and, and uh, try to open your minds more to new and different things. So that's, and that's a great resource to have a place to go to ask questions because that one mm -hmm. of the nice things about your courses is that because they're um, what I would call asynchronous, meaning people can sort of take them whenever they want and at their own mm -hmm. time frame, it means you don't have a group of fellow classmates, but then you do have this Facebook group to right. go to to ask questions. You can absolutely ask questions. So we have people in there. So so in the fertility course, for example, there's um, I teach people how to use a microscope. It's um, It can be intimidating, but when you know the basics, it's very simple. And how to do their own cytology slides. So that's looking at vaginal cytology to determine um, certain things about a, a, a damp cycle. Um, and people will start to use their microscopes and share their first slides in there. And so I can help them if they come up with any hitches or we can celebrate when they do it. Um, really well and other people can learn from it as well. So people are actually going out and buying their own microscopes? Oh, a lot of people are. Yeah. How much they're buying microscopes? Um, you can get one on Amazon for about $80. You don't need a oh, fancy wow. microscope to do most of the things a breeder needs, um, you know, to get started. Uh, you just need an $80 kid's microscope as long as it's a compound microscope. Nice. And I, there are instructions about what type of microscope to get. But yeah, you can and you can do um, at home fecal floats. You can do cytology. You can look at semen samples. Um, you know, there are a bunch of things you can do. Yeah, the big thing I was thinking of when I did, um, I was I was interested in learning more about reproductive medicine when I was in vet school. More than the two hours that came in the basic curriculum, so I went and did two weeks at a clinic that specialized in reproductive medicine. And I remember a lot of mm -hmm. times people would want to know if their bitch was about how close to estrus their bitch was and they would right. come in. And so when G says cytology, one of the things that you might want be interested in is a vaginal swab to see um, right. what her status is. So Right. And not only when, so that will tell you when to start progesterone testing, but also at the end of the cycle, it will tell you when her fertility window is closed. So, you know, okay, you know, it's not worth breeding, doing another breeding after this. Yes. Or, you know, we've missed it or, or whatever the case may be, or we got it spot on and we're good. Yes. Excellent. So, so all that was really great. Is there anything else you want us to know about midwifery before we move on to talking about how all of this relates to the Functional Dog Collaborative? Um, I do want to add a personal note, and that is how incredibly grateful I am to um, the midwifery community and to people who have, who have taken my courses and um, apparently gotten something out of them because I I am so happy to be doing this. And, you know, I didn't know till I was in my 50s that this is my dream and I'm living my dream now. 
Um, and, you know, if I won the lottery tomorrow, this is what I'd be doing. So I, I just appreciate everybody so much um, for participating and for suggestions they make and comments and input and just everything, everything, even criticism. You know, the criticism is important, too. Oh, that's lovely. And, and we all appreciate you, too, very much. Thank you. I appreciate you, Jessica. Also. How does this all relate to the Functional Dog Collaborative then? So as, as G knows for sure, and as I think some of, some of the listeners may know, one of the things that we've always wanted to do is to provide um, a way for breeders to know what information is out there about breeding, what the set of information is that is useful for a breeder to, to aim to know to be a really um, mm -hmm. highly functioning breeder. Mm -hmm. And so we put together a list of all that information on the website called the FDC Breeder Curriculum. And we've been working with volunteers, so it's been a bit stop-start and a bit slow, to find resources to point out to. So we, so we successfully have a list of basically a massive amount of information that we think it would be a, a great set of information for breeders to learn. And then we've been going through and saying, okay, so for this piece of information, here's where you might go to learn about this and here's a maybe here are multiple places that you might choose from and here's how you can assess which one might be best for you. So we have um, after talking about with G and realizing how fantastic midwifery is, uh, G and I have decided that what makes sense to do is to declare midwifery as basically the core curriculum for the FDC's breeder curriculum. And what that means is, that we are going to make sure that in our list of topics that we have identified the topics that G covers and we'll point out to specific courses in there. Um, and we'll be explaining this on the FDC site. And I think G was thinking about making an announcement on her site as well. Mm -hmm. There's going to be, and it's, so a core curriculum means it's not the complete curriculum. And so there's going to be you know, certainly some topics that G doesn't cover, uh, intends to cover, but hasn't gotten to yet, uh, doesn't feel as something that she wants to have as part of midwifery, at least not right now. So you and I were talking about like puppy socialization as an example, right? So did you want to say a right. little bit about sort of how that fits in or doesn't fit into midwifery? Sure. Well, first of all, there are, um, it, that's one of the areas where we have a lot of good information. So it, it, it I don't want to, at this point, duplicate that because there are some great resources out there for that. And I'd rather focus um, on things that we don't have great resources for or we don't have organized resources for or we don't have vetted resources for. Um, so I'd like to focus on some of those things um, for breeders. And I remember when I pointed you at the breeder curriculum, G, and asked you how it overlapped with midwifery, you did say there were a couple things that you were like, oh, I haven't gotten to those yet. I should do those. Yeah, I, I, I love looking at the breeder curriculum that you guys put together because, like I said, I just started throwing things together based on what I was seeing, what needs I was seeing from people online. Uh, and you guys really took the time to sit down and hash out and think through a complete curriculum, which I hadn't done uh, because it wasn't my intent to do that. Uh, so, so I loved seeing that and it showed me some areas where we really do need to have more courses and gave me some great ideas uh, where we can fill those gaps. Great. And you'll get those done in the next couple of days, I'm sure. Absolutely. Yes, there, there, yes sure. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. So, and then of course there's going to be, there are some places where there's multiple, multiple places to learn things, midwifery and some other places. And we'll continue yes. to point out, you know, midwifery is one place you can go, but here's some other places. And again, we'll, we'll sort of try to, yeah, try to describe how you can assess. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't yeah. want, I don't want to own this space. I, I and that's another thing I, that's really exciting to me about um, working with FDC is just the collaborative nature of it so that the community drives it and owns it. And I don't. And speaking of which, by the way, I'm going to put a call out right now for volunteers to help with the breeder curriculum side of it. So if yes. you're listening to this podcast and you're like, this is so cool. Um, even if you're not a breeder, we don't actually need you to be a breeder. We have breeders who can make sure that we don't say anything stupid. Um, what we don't have is people who will start pulling together the bits of information that we have, you know, sort of identify, here's a chunk that needs to be written, um, you know, try to put together the outline, maybe a draft, um, and then ask breeders to, the breeders that we have as a consultants to read it over, let them know, make the edits, um, all that kind of stuff. Um, and so any part of it, like if you're good at organizing, that's useful. If you're good at writing, but not good at organizing, you can, you know, you can work with someone else. Mm -hmm. So, all... Or even, even online platforms to help us get the information to people and things like yeah. things, things that I do terribly with, with midwifery that are really crucial are like, like ad copy. I have, even though, you know, this isn't a, a huge money-making thing for me, um, I have to write good ad copy. My intent isn't to to make money, but I got, you know, it's got to, there's got to be a reason for breeders to click and say, yeah, I want this course. So we have to convince them of that, even with some basic things like that. Yes. That, that was also something that I am really terrible at. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. All of those things. So um, drop a line if you're interested, uh, interested in any of that to functionalbreeding at gmail.com. And um, G and I will definitely get you set up. So, yeah, so that is the plan. And, and we should have most of that on the website by the time this podcast drops. We may still be working on some of the pointers to individual courses. Um, and then, G, I think you had some thoughts about how to welcome people from the FDC over to Midwifery. I did. Um, and we're going to do that with a, a nice discount. So uh, any of the Excellent. FDC Excellent. breeders or people interested in breeding um, will absolutely get a nice discount with FDC. And Jessica will post the coupon. Yes, I will include the a link to that information in the show notes. So that should be easy to find. All right. Well, I'm really excited mm -hmm. about this collaboration. I feel like education is so important. We really want to yeah. make sure that people get a good education. And I'm... I'm so glad we found each other, G. Me too. Uh, it, it's been it's been lovely um, working with you and the rest of the FDC. It's just really, um, it's made something that was important to me even better. Oh, I'm really glad. All right. Well, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Hey, friends. Some of you have asked how to support the podcast, so we have set up a Patreon page for it. For a small monthly pledge, you help us pay for producing this podcast, and in exchange, you get a chance to suggest questions for podcast guests, and you get early access to podcast episodes. To find out more, go to patreon.com slash functional breeding. You can also help promote the podcast through subscribing to it through the podcast app of your choice and by leaving favorable reviews. If you're interested in supporting the Functional Dog Collaborative more generally, or finding ways to get involved, 
go to the functionalbreeding.org website and click the support link. Thanks to everyone who has helped out. We could not do this without you. Thanks so much for listening. The Functional Breeding Podcast is a product of the Functional Dog Collaborative and was produced by Attila Mertzak. Come join us at the Functional Breeding Facebook group to talk about this episode or about responsible breeding practices in general. To learn more about the FDC, check out the functionalbreeding.org website. Enjoy your dogs.